0: Turkeys evolved 20 million years ago in the forests of what we now call North America. To put that in perspective, human beings didn't evolve until 20,000 years ago. It's literally beyond our imagining be able to understand the millions of years during which turkeys and other co-creators of these forests lived their lives. Here at Vine Sanctuary, located in Vermont, we reserve more than half of our land as wildlife refuge. And wild turkeys are among the animals who make use of that land. And so we are often delighted by the sight of wild turkeys doing their things in the forest. For example, we have very large compost piles and compost piles are warm. And they're large enough and warm enough that even in these Vermont winters, they're warmer than the surrounding area. And so that's a place where wild turkeys congregate in the coldest weather to gain a little bit of warmth. In the springtime, we often see wild turkeys co-parenting blocks of juveniles. It's not at all uncommon to be walking along the forest and then you will see a line of turkeys and there's one mother turkey hen at the front and another mother turkey hen at the back and then in between a whole bunch of juvenile turkeys walking in a line. I should tell you that I'm Patrice Jones. Zooming to you from Vine Sanctuary, and that you're listening to an episode of In Context, and that our special guest today is Lori Kim Alexander, who you might know as one of the organizers of Black Veg Fest. You might know as a kick ass organizer against violence against LGBTQ folks. An amazing anti-racist activist and educator, the organizer of a new organization called The Cypher, but you probably don't know that she's also a wildlife biologist, and you probably don't know that she also has a turkey story to tell. Welcome, Lori Kim. Thank you so much for joining us today. So listen, when I was, tell- when I was mentioning to you that I might want to start today's episode by talking about turkeys... Since I always start an episode by talking about animals at the sanctuary, I usually choose a formal sanctuary resident, but I wanted to choose the more marginal sanctuary residents, the wild turkeys for today. You told me about an experience that you had of seeing a turkey, and I would love to hear that story again.
1: Yeah, I was coming back from upstate. So I live in the Bronx here in New York city and I was on the train and you know, it's a beautiful train ride back. And so I'm just looking outside and there are a few people on the train with me, you know, but nobody's talking to each other. Right. And the energy in there is kind of static, but anyway, I'm looking out the window and all of a sudden next to the train, there's this Turkey and I haven't seen a wild turkey in a long time. So I scream out, Turkey! And there's a man behind me who had no interest in talking to me before, but I hear him giggle. And then he says, Turkey! And then I hear it going down the line of people just excitedly saying, Turkey! So it was beautiful to watch that, you know, the joy. I love that so much
0: because I think it speaks to this wish that people have, even if they don't know they have it, of being more connected with the larger than human world. And, and another thing I notice is the way that, that this, it sparked delight, but it also sparked, I don't know, communication
1: that mm-hmm. wouldn't have happened otherwise. Yes, absolutely. I was the only black person on that train, huh. right? And so, these folks came in on the train. And usually, when I'm on a train going upstate, it's a hard conversation or it's a hard space to be in, you know, um, because there's a lot, there's a lot of just overt anti-blackness that happens, you know, even in just trying to pick a seat, and or trying to keep folks out your seat. And the train ride up was kind of fraught with that, but the train ride back had less people. And so I was actually kind of anxious, expecting some foolishness to ensue. But when these folks got on the train, not one of them looked at me or tried to even make eye contact, say hello. You know, the black woman that left the train before had said hello to me, you know? And that was a nice feeling. But yeah, there was not any communication, but all of a sudden, you know, the this this wall that I was feeling before, it was gone, immediately, immediately. And I was just it was torn down by the side of a turkey. I mean, so it's a it's a joy and a wonder and an abject truth, right? So the way I look at life, like life is truth. There's there's no it, it just in the, on a baseline level right and so what we're seeing as young humans in this world you know this this young species in this world what we're seeing is truth embodied when we look at wildlife right in whatever space they they are in and that is just it's it creates this wonderment, you know? It's an an absolute wonderment, just like a child, right? Just like a baby. You've seen babies' eyes light up when they see something new. Mm -hmm. And for us, it's us seeing that life over and over again played out in different ways because there's no artifice there, you know? There's no artifice. And I think the way to get people to that is to to have whatever life has thrown at us, remove that, that, that. What life has thrown at us creates bias. And it's that bias of not being able to see that truth that cuts the connection. And that's really one of the things I've dedicated my whole life to is bringing people back to the woods. That's our neighborhood, you know? We've, we've always been there. We're, we're a part of it. You know, but the bias of what we have to go through to deal with everyday life with other humans now, the mechanization that life has become has taken us out of it. And, you know, when you were talking about, you know, the beginning of turkey evolution, I was thinking about the evolution we go through every time a new human is born we're chordates right which means that we have a vertebrate spine mm-hmm. babies though don't have a spine and as an well not a baby actually has a spine but an embryo as an mm-hmm. embryo we have a notochord and that notochord is the same notochord kind of starts out the same looking like a fish and then it evolves a little bit as the embryo grows and starts to look like a bird's notochord with the same bird embryo and then it looks like the same embryo as a reptile and then as the embryo progresses and progresses starts to look like a mammal which we are so we go through these these phases of connection that are deeper than you know any words that humans could ever have come up with and it's by getting back to those that root that we can do that and we can do that in so many ways we can do that in a way that looks like healing you know through maybe somatic energy work just standing what they may call forest bathing now right and just breathing in whatever smells are coming from the earth and the trees whatever sounds are coming from the folks who live in those trees and in that earth and in those bushes that are around, you know, by swimming in the ocean. And it can look like stopping to really contemplate your plate or contemplate who you're looking at as an actual life, like a viable life in front of you.
0: and 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 as you're talking, I was imagining, I was still remembering the train story, mm-hmm. and, and and I was also imagining someone in your own neighborhood uh, engaging in that sort of a moment of connectedness mm. with a tree, and, and that made me think, well, and then the earth is always below our feet, even when it's covered with concrete. There's all these underground goings yes. on, there are windows. I guess what I'm thinking is there are windows f- for these experiences everywhere. Absolutely. Wherever you might be. And so then the the question really becomes, well, how might people be prompted uh, to stop and, and really see the tree or uh, imagine uh, the
1: underground happenings? You have to prompt folks to remember, I think. It's that memory, right? It's the embryonic memory, you know? That memory that we've always had. One of the ways that I love to teach is by asking folks to remember. Because you have it, you have the knowledge, you know? If we think everyone in this space has knowledge to share with each other, right? That's how we upend hierarchical classroom structures And that's how we push past that bias. So if you remember, everyone has had an encounter with the tree, you know? And so you may not know that tree's name, but if you know one, if you're taught one now, right, that brings back the joy of memory. And that gives you a fondness and a closeness too. So I think it's also making sure that we differentiate between the sea of green that people usually see or Mm. these spots of green, right? So a lot of times when I try to explain to folks some of the work that the Cypher will be doing is by thinking, we got to learn our neighborhood, you know? Um, A lot of times when we talk about our neighborhoods, it's like, man, I can't wait to get out of here. Or, you know, I love my neighborhood, but, you know? Mm or we look at a tree lined street and say, Oh, that's beautiful. But what are those trees names? If we can name that neighbor, we're going to always remember to say hi, maybe not Mm -hmm. every day, but someday, you know, Mm -hmm. and maybe also we start to to consider them. And maybe you're not going to let your dog do their business on that tree tomorrow, you know, Cause I think when we're talking another time I was saying like a tree is not a rock, you know, you are we, in the cities, especially trees, I feel like they're incarcerated. They're literally behind iron bars, bars. they're in behind bars sometimes. Exactly. You, you, I'm sure folks have seen the roots of trees grow in a square because they've been confined that way. But I've also seen the roots of trees, Demolish a sidewalk, right? There's no stopping an oak, you know? So And and other
0: plants too. That's one of the reasons we chose vine.
1: Oh, I love it. uh,
0: As a name, because vines can pull down walls. Yes,
1: absolutely, absolutely, you know? And that's also something too, because I love the fact that you know there are so many species in New York City that are still growing and you like you'll see I'll see children and elders together uh, talking about these little these little flowers that are growing you know but they don't they may or may not know the name right but once you give them that name they're going to keep going back to to those flowers you know Every day, I try to go walking with my mother, and it helps her a lot to have conversation about all the species that we see. I'm very lucky where I am in the Bronx to see red-tailed hawks, hairy and downy woodpeckers, blue jays. And of course, the ubiquitous starlings, European starlings, right? And house sparrows. But there's also red-winged blackbirds. And there's this this wonderful orchestra outside that we all hear. But again, when we get their name, now now there is a way to make them ours in a way not in terms of, you know, ours to be useful or ours for us to own, but ours for us to hold in our heart, you know, the way that you hold a a beloved in your heart. The the, the way that a friend is yours. Exactly. A family
0: member is yours. You know, when you were talking about the flowers, I just had this memory flash, so I'm going to share it, Mm -hmm. where it was when I was living in Ypsilanti, Michigan. uh, And uh, I had a... uh, eat well, extensive organic garden with herbs and vegetables, but also some flowers mm. in the front and and uh, um, next door were uh, a couple of children, a uh, boy and a girl, the boy was a little older, uh, who would s- sometimes ask me things. Uh, we had wonderful conversations. but I also knew that they were not treated well by their mother and that she was hard on him in particular. And one day I was on the porch, but not really visible. And he came po- by on his bike. He was maybe six mm-hmm. and he came by on his bike. And 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 what I heard him say as, as he headed to a halt, because he had seen some flowers and he just outbursted the word purple. And it was like this joyous moment for me to witness his joy at purple and flowers. But there was also this undercurrent of sadness, understanding the ways that not only in the wider world, but probably also his mother would be encouraging him to uh, set aside those kinds of reactions Mm. as he grew into manhood, um, to be masculine. Uh, But what I'm remembering now is Or what I'm feeling now is this this knowledge that wherever he is now, the burst of purple is still there. And the person who responded with such joy to the purple flower is always going to be there, ready to be called upon, ready Mm -hmm. to be coaxed back into the light.
1: Exactly. We're never going to forget joy, right? Like that spot of joy, if you can rekindle the joy, that's what you're, that's what I'm hearing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: The joy and the, in what you were saying about the turkeys here and, 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 and what you told me about the turkeys on the train or the turkeys on the train, <laughs> the, 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 response of the people on the train to the turkey, there's, I think, I don't know whether you used the word childish, or there's something that's so young mm-hmm. and inherent. And it, it, it just reminds me of the very first chicken uh, that Miriam Jones and I rescued, who we found on a roadside mm-hmm. ditch having jumped or fallen from a truck headed for a, a slaughterhouse. Uh, For those who don't know, that's the origin story of what is now Vine Sanctuary is uh, uh, two uh, queer social justice activists found a chicken in a ditch 22 years ago. Uh, But but what I remembered was, so we called around and we couldn't find anybody to take this. Like we called the local animal shelter and said, we found a chicken. What should we do? And she said, have a nice dinner um and so we were like okay this bird is in our care now right. and so we locked off a little part of the garage with baby gates mm-hmm. and ran to the feed store for like fence posts but then discovered that the ground was frozen so what we, we didn't know what we were anything we didn't know anything and and, uh, and and so that night so we closed the bird into the makeshift coop and I couldn't sleep the whole night because I was so worried uh, for this bird. And I was just looking up of uh, whatever I could find on the Internet. This was 2000, so not as much of an Internet as there is now. And I was worried and I couldn't sleep. And then it became daylight but it really wasn't daylight. I just told myself it was daylight because I was so anxious to find out if this bird was okay. Mm. And so as soon as the yard was just a little bit lighter, I, I went outside to to go check on the bird. And and at first I walked and then I found myself running. And as I was running, I could feel my five year old self inside me running towards this bird to make sure that uh she was okay Mm. and i feel like i've seen so many times when people visit the sanctuary or have been encountered non-human animals or other just wondrous elements of the of of the larger than human world
1: like something unlocks yeah that's it yeah it's that like what i was saying before right the the bias that's put on us you know because as when i think that a lot of us have gone through a lot of trauma right especially yeah. trans and queer folk and especially black and indigenous trans and queer folk Absolutely. and some of it is generational trauma that is not ours and you know What breaks through that is the spaces before that, right? Remembering those spaces before that, you know? And that heals us to move us past the trauma too. So I think that that, you know, like you said, you could feel your five-year-old self. I've been in that space any, any time, any time at all that I am in a wild space. You know, I feel that. That was my safety when I was a child, you know. I am the dreaded only child, you know. And I always take serious offense to that, that people consider me a specific way because of it. And I was like, I didn't do it myself. (laughs) I I didn't plan this, right? But I was an only child with no children around a lot of the time. So I did not, I had my playmates were spiders and lizards and trees and grasshoppers and grass. There's photos of me at, you know, just past toddler age and all the way up, you know, to seven, eight, like there's still photos of me crouched down, staring at the grass. I would stare at it for hours and just watch grasshoppers. You know? And it was fascinating. It's better than any soap opera. And to this day, when I see ants, it I have to pull myself away because they're so cool. <laughs> they do the most amazing things. And they talk to each other all the time. There's constant conversation, you know, and it's this beautiful symmetry. Like, you know, it's a dance that they're doing. And I love watching nature dance. And it feels like I could dance, too. You know, like I'm the realest possible version of myself when I'm with them. That gonna make me cry. You know? Look, I'm discovering yet another reason
0: that we're friends because, um, for me, it was ants in a vacant lot in Baltimore oh, man. and 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 a park that I, you know, crossed the street I wasn't supposed to cross to oh, to no. get to I'm really tuning into what you said earlier about how everybody has this knowledge or these memories okay so the the everybody has these memory, and everybody has this knowledge and 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 i was thinking about how well of course you know in progressive spaces we're supposed to understand this when we're doing organizing of any kind right that 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 everybody has some knowledge from their standpoint that they're bringing um, to the conversation, whatever the conversation might be about. But I was also thinking about how you visited the Vine Book Club before. uh, And and one of the things we do there all the time uh, at the beginning of sessions, Is while we're waiting to begin is have everybody say where they are right now and what the weather is where they are right now and what that has the function of doing is 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 sort of forcing everybody in the meeting to for at least an instant ask themselves what is happening outside my window and locating themselves in space and asking themselves something about what's going on in the larger than human world. Um, and so that makes me think, you know, there are probably a bunch of practices like that, practices like that, that, that we could probably be incorporating into our events, our meetings, the things that we do regularly Uh, that would more regularly tune us and the people we're working with or having conversations with or having debates with or having arguments with into those larger truths or into the truths, as you're
1: putting it. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely. I believe that the moment we... We take the opportunity, I was going to say decide, and it, it's actually an opportunity, the opportunity to step outside ourselves, to see where we are and ground ourselves in that. We can literally be grounded, you know, grounded to earth, all the energy that's connected by all the things, all the people living on earth and i like to to do it in ways that you know not only talking to people about what what is what is your neighborhood like who lives with you you know right and to to remind folks that you might live in a building but that's just your home that's not your enc- like your encasement that you have to walk with right and then so you look at that like so how many ecosystems live in your neighborhood you know, and how are they working together and within each of those ecosystems are a whole different set of neighbors in each little one. Right. And then you can get larger and larger and larger. When I came to the book club, I was like, you know, what's your biome? People don't think about biomes. Right. (laughs) And that connects you in the, the, the most, you know, the largest way, you know, and gives you that ownership too, right? That connection. And then to me, that, that's, that sparks that fire of love too, you know, well, to give you that sense of place that you chose this, this space to be in, you know? Like you're still here. And if you are, what are the joys that can it bring you? You know, and what are the joys? Can you bring that space? And that's also that reciprocity is really, really an important practice as far as I'm concerned, you know, that that back and forth. And a lot of time we forget the forth, you know, or sorry, the back, (laughs) you know, like, please give me come forth and give me what can what can you offer versus how how is my place in the world bringing joy or pain? You know, but if we think of joy first, we create joy. I think. Yes,
0: yes, and 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 I'm one. I'm really loving this way of 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 using the word neighbors mm. uh, to refer not only to other Homo sapiens but trees and butterflies and others because it, it's, it's leveling. It sort of undermines human supremacy, but it also sort of has built into it this idea of the reciprocal obligations, right? Yeah. Whether or not we actually put it into practice There is sort of general agreement about what a good neighbor is. Yeah. Yeah, A good neighbor looks out for you and you look out for them and a good neighbor, you know, they're not going to sacrifice themselves for you, but you know, you're going to do each other little favors and you're going to be mutually responsible for creating a habitat that feels comfortable uh, to, for everybody. Uh, so I'm really loving this way of of talking.
1: Yeah. Thank you for that. Thank you so much for that. If I ever repeat that, I'm going to cite you. But I love that. Like <laughs> it's, it's You cite yourself <laughs> out. You're the one. <laughs> You're the one. Yeah. You know, when you just feel things, sometimes it, you know... When you that's one of the things too. I think we need to consistently interrogate. I feel like that's what's gonna bring back bring us back to joy. Just keeping keeping that integrity of interrogation. And that's what you did. Like you pulled that word apart in a way mm-hmm. that was so beautiful and necessary, yeah. But I love it too. Like I love I love the, the thought of like this is my neighborhood, this is my neighbor because that's what I've held since childhood. And I have never understood, like it's always been so hard for me. Well, how could you not see, you know? this is How could you not see my friends? These are my friends, you know? Like, how are these not your friends, <laughs> you know? And such an impoverished life it is
0: to not have as many friends. Yes. Yes, absolutely. It's so I'm right. That's the one of the many downsides of human supremacy is
1: oh my god, it's so lonely. It's really lonely. And there's so much knowledge that you're losing out on. (laughs) You know? So much that you're losing out on. You individually and we collectively. Absolutely. You know,
0: hence all of these crises we can't ever seem to solve. Uh, Cause we think that just like our brains and the artificial brains we create should be able to do it when, you know, there's all this knowledge.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, why leave that on the table? You no, know? no. Like love is always served. Let's just also just be clear. That's how I feel. Like I, I don't, it's not intentional. It's just is. Love is always Mm. served in the wild. Mm. It might not look like love in the way that we understand it because we just don't understand things. And that's all right. We're young. Really young. Really. Oh, wow.
0: Uh, I want to uh, keep talking in this direction, but at the same time, I want to make sure that Uh, since you're doing us the favor of of coming to talk for an episode of In Context, I wanna make sure that we talk about this new project of yours.
1: So it's the cipher.org is the website. It is black trans and queer femme led collective, a formation for trans and queer Black and Indigenous people, aka BIPOC people, just queer and trans, Black, Indigenous people of color.
0: From what I understand, the Cypher is an online meeting place that makes it possible for people to come together for in-person events.
1: Yes, that's right. There are virtual events that will be happening so that folks here across the United States and in the Caribbean, in West Africa, around the world can come and participate. But we will have in-person events that are happening and our first in-person events are gonna be happening in New York City, primarily in the Bronx, maybe some in Brooklyn as well. When you think of a cipher, right, you think of a lot of things, a circle, a code that that needs breaking or a code that that keeps you from breaking. When I th- hear cipher, I think of c- protection. I think of a, cir- a circle of MCs and nobody takes, but everybody gives. It's, it's a beautiful space. A movement space to learn about, you know, total liberation in ways again that look like healing, that look like joy, like kikis in the woods, like environmental justice from a conservation mindset, like food justice, where we talk about, you know, what it is for transgender nonconforming bodies to be nourished by food that will help if, say, you're you're transitioning medically to what it looks like to queer the food that we eat or see the food the way that we have already been queering our lives in a way that brings us back to our indigeneity, right? And talks about veganism without that vegan container. Because truly, for a lot of us who are Black and Indigenous, our traditional knowledge is vegan. Our traditional knowledge is about the ways in which we can work with Earth, not against Earth, right? And it's also about just giving practical knowledge of the natural world and, you know, how are herbs here? to give us root healing, you know? Who are your neighbors? So we walk through the neighborhood talking about the trees and why are these squirrels that are gray, some of them black, and they're here. What are they doing here? Why are there so many in this area? Why are there pigeons here in the first place? Like, these are the conversations. And even going to the bodega, you know, to do bodega and supermarket crawls because it's one thing for people to tell you, like, yeah, this is really the best opportunity for you. But if you don't have the opportunity to really go to the bigger health food stores, how you find healthy food, it's right here in the neighborhood. You just got to know where to look. And sometimes it's just really all about look at this aisle, like really Mm. look at it, you know, and remember. That rice and beans, those rice and beans, or in Jamaica we call it rice and peas, you know, that's your traditional food, and it's nourished us for hundreds of years, and guess what, if you don't put the ham hocks in it, it's vegan, and it tastes just as good, you know. so these are the conversations that we'll be having and the website is itsthecypher.org look out for us because we have all kinds of offerings for people reiki training on how to you know heal through the light and the energy that's in the world we have like i said these these crawls these supermarket and bodega crawls and of course my favorite walking through the neighborhood looking at herbs and looking at trees and looking at all the beautiful neighbors there are so that we can have this joy that we've been talking about
0: so come through oh that's beautiful so that's it's the cipher.org and if like many people you are not prepared to write down a website while listening that's okay cuz you can visit uh, the in-context page at vinesanctuary.org, and the link will be there along with other show notes. So if you go to the website, are there ways for folks who uh, would just like to support the organization? Will there be a way for people if they just want to uh, support your work to donate?
1: Yeah, absolutely. On the website, there is a donation button, and okay. you can you know give whatever you can. and. There's also a sign up button as well if you're interested in coming through. Remember though, this is a Black and Indigenous space. And so those are the folks that should definitely sign up. You do not have to be femme to be a part of a femme-led collective.
0: As usual, when we talk, my brain is just surging with ideas and connections. And I feel like I could Go on, but we probably need to to wrap up soon. One of the things that I do when I need to tune into my neighbors or get grounded, but I don't have a lot of time, uh is is just to like t- take a deep breath, which is always good to do anyway. But while I'm breathing it in, I ask myself, like, who made this oxygen? Yes uh and well that would be the trees right outside uh as well as algae further away and sometimes what i when i do that i am also reminded that those trees have been there for me my whole life whether or not i was paying attention to them and, and that reminds me of Earlier in our conversation, you 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 mentioned the uh, the trauma uh, to which so many of us are still experiencing, have experienced with folks from various groups, even more likely to be traumatized. But we've also discussed the ways that, like human supremacy itself, is. A little bit traumatizing in that it wrenches you out of mm. the or at least in in your mind it wrenches you out of these relationships that could be so sustaining but i'm thinking regardless of how recklessly we have acted with ourselves
1: or each other the world has been holding us mm-hmm. absolutely on Un, like unrepentantly as well with not, I'm not asking for anything back, really. Yeah. Huh. So I'm so
0: delighted to know about this latest project of yours, but I'm also just so grateful for all of the work that you've steadily been doing to not only create safer spaces for people, but help people be better able to experience that care that is flowing toward them uh from the larger than human world like every second of every day and i want to thank you for that and also thank you for joining us today and give you the opportunity to say any last things you want to say
1: yeah i want to thank you for this opportunity to talk with you it's always a joy you're a treasure and Thank you for everything you've done and everything you are doing because it has created a cascade of work, good, beautiful work in the world. So I'm so grateful and honored by that. And I'm grateful that folks are gonna listen to this. And I I really want to ask everyone someday soon, just take off your shoes. And stand on the ground. Try it. Perfect. Well,
0: you have been tuning into In Context, which is produced here at Vine Sanctuary. I'm Patrice Jones, and our special guest today has been Lori Kim Alexander. I want to thank Lori Kim for joining us, I want to thank our producer, Sarah Jane Blum. I want to thank all the trees who made the oxygen that allowed me to speak with you today. I want to thank the 20 million year old turkeys who co-created the forests in which Vine Sanctuary exists. And I want to thank you for taking Lori Kim's advice to just take off your shoes and tune in uh, to the earth at some point soon. Again, I'm Patrice Jones. You've been listening to In Context from Vine Sanctuary. Thanks. Bye.